millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, hello, this is the commentary box at Motorland, Aragon. Craig Haynes and James Whitten with you, and it is the Full Throttle podcast for round three of the World Superbike season. Well, I think the wind has died down a bit now, but it felt like we were going to be blown away earlier. Yeah, a little bit. It's been a really windy day. Um, you do get that at Aragon, and you normally get it in your face or up your bum down either of the straights, and it was exactly the same. It was in your face down the start and finish straight, and up your backside down the long, long back straight, more than a kilometre long, it's a long downhill straight, is that Greg? Have you, have you done a few laps around here? Uh, I've been round on foot, and I think I've been round on a scooter actually as well. Yeah, uh, just, a, just a beautiful place, it's, uh, they've, they've used the lay of the land really, really well, it go, goes up and down and, and just follows the contours and it's beautiful, and you've got that best dry stone wall, you've got it from Yorkshire to appreciate a good dry stone wall, <laughs> and in my opinion, and uh, the best, biggest dry stone wall in the world is here, and it's lovely. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular, isn't it? Well, there's a lot of talking points. Where shall we start? First of all, of course, you're all listening to this on Wednesday, whether it's Spotify, iTunes, or the Eurosport website. Hope you like the first Shaky show that went out yesterday with Shaky Burn after that BSB media day. So let us know what you think about that. But in the meantime, we've obviously got Aston coming up, James, back-to-back race weekends. What sort of challenge is that, first of all, for all the teams to get from Aragon, where we're recording this, to Aston, in literally the trucks and things, three days? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, logistically, it's uh, a challenge, but um, they'll be starting to get packed up now. The garages will be getting taken apart. The bikes will be getting packed up. It makes it more difficult if you've had one of those weekends where you've wrecked a couple of bikes and you've got a load of damage to, be, to repair before you even set off, or... You pack the wreckage up, you get there, and then you get the damage repaired <laughs> when you get to Assen. Yeah, it's all part of the European circuit, and um, they're well uh, set up to do that. Uh, and it basically, basically takes as long as a truck takes to get from Aragon to Assen, which I'm thinking is probably about a day's driving, to be honest. Yeah, it's not too far, is it, really? I suppose. It's, uh, there's been worse ones in the past. That's before. I remember... Uh, Grand Prix racing once did a back-to-back. I think it was between San Paulo, Brazil, and Phillip Island. I can't remember which way around it was now, but I mean that—that's a long way to go across the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, it is. But you're involved in flying there. That's a whole new set of challenges because the bikes have to be packed up into flight cases in a whole different way. Uh, so yeah, that was probably more of a challenge, to be quite honest. Um, the best I could come up with, Greg, and it's a little bit Mickey Mouse is uh, we, I raced, um, my, mind you, I was working on my own bike with the help of a friend, so me, a girlfriend, a mate, and a van, and a bike, and we raced 
uh, Friday and Saturday at Kirkiston in Ireland, mm. and then we race Sunday at uh, Darlymoor in Derbyshire. <laughs> but in my defence, that doesn't sound much of a challenge. But I did all the driving and most of the mechanicing and uh, and the racing and the racing. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And had a reasonable result at both. Not bad at all. No. No, I, can, I see what you mean, actually, because when you can just get on a nice flight, especially if it's a business class flight, as many of the riders do, it's obviously uh, pretty comfortable in some ways, isn't it, than what you had to do back... When was that? What year was that? 87. 87. Uh, and you're right, you're dead right now. The riders haven't got a lot to worry about. Most of them don't even drive their own motorhomes now if they've elected to have one down here. Um, so the driver will be setting off. He'll be taking a couple of days to get up and then set up up at Assen mm. and the, 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 most of the riders will be jumping on a plane going home they'll be home tonight or at the latest tomorrow morning if you're somebody like Leon Haslam who's got a fairly badly damaged ankle that refuses to settle down I mean mainly for the fact that he's just had an operation and he's straight uh, riding again uh, so not a lot of healing takes place as far as skin and stitches etc goes when your foot's jammed in a boot and working hard uh, and you're riding your bike, so he's got a little bit more work to do. He's seeing a doctor either tonight or early tomorrow, mo tomorrow morning, depending when they can get to see one. Uh, the doctor's not at their beck and call. Um, and then he's got a little bit of a decision to make whether he gets it operated on, it on again or just stitched up or a new boot made that's slightly bigger and gives him a bit more room. But, yeah, it's going to be a challenge for, for Liam. Yeah, to be honest, under the circumstances, again, it's been a damage limitation exercise for him, hasn't it? For more reasons than one. Uh, Jonathan Ray, very quickly, he was so happy with second place. I think he looked happy with his second today than he's done with quite a few of his wins, and I can see why. Um, they know they can't beat Bautista at the moment, but he had to fight so hard with Lowe's and with Davis and Hasler. Yeah, um, uh, for us, though, he always looked like he had the kind of, I would call it, guile. Yeah. Uh, if not... Uh, out and out speed to get to the front of that bunch and, and get another second and then another second and then another second place which he needed to do to, to give him any chance to give himself any chance of a championship and I honestly feel if he is going to win the championship it's going to take a huge mistake or I don't I actually don't know you don't want to wish it on anybody especially on somebody like Alvaro Batista who was doing so well and, and adapted the championship of the bike so well remember we all keep saying, yeah, that V4 Ducat is just like a MotoGP bike. Well, it might be in its layout and it might be in certain of its aspects, but MotoGP have, the MotoGP bikes are lighter, built to lighter weight limits. MotoGP bike will have um, uh, carbon fiber brakes that, that are immensely efficient. Uh, in World Superbike, you've got to run steel uh, discs. Uh, and, and different tyres, completely different yeah. tyres that feel completely different. So, you know, it's, it's a fair adaptation that Alvaro Bautista has made to come into this championship. And to be fair, in MotoGP as well, the Michelins are made in a way that they're not going to last a whole race, are they? So everyone does have to control their tyres and that's why it's so, you know, the pack is so bunched up, isn't it? That's, it's made that way. Yeah. It's made yeah. that way. The problem is that if you get a bike that and a rider combination that gives the tyres an easier time, the rear tyre we're talking about, mm. um, he's got a distinct advantage. Yeah. So, you know, we've seen it at uh, Phillip Island in the past where nobody really wanted to lead and try and go away because they knew they'd burn the tyre up and then come back and the pack would catch them and that by the end they wouldn't have a tyre left. Uh, not so with Bautista and the Ducati seems to make that rear tyre last and 
and have something left for everybody at the end. Well, thanks for all the tweets you've all been sending in to JimWit69 and Greg Haynes TV. Here's one regarding the Ducati, James. This is from uh, Brighton Dr. John. Hello. And his words are, Lorenzo's father said, meaning Jorge Lorenzo, I'd imagine, I would really like to see the world SBK level to be the same as in MotoGP, but with bikes that are more similar to the ones on the road. That would lower the costs and allow more riders to show their potential without needing so much money, and that would in turn allow them to use the World Superbike Championship as a way to get into MotoGP. Do you agree? Question mark. Um, I don't necessarily think that the be-all and end-all is MotoGP and every single other class ought to be a feeder class, which is what Dona think. Mm. Um, I don't necessarily agree with that. What I, I do agree with Jorge Lorenzo's father is that superbikes ought to be nearer to street bikes. That was the original idea. Do not think, though, that that would fix all the problems of parity and all the bikes would be equal because they're all road bikes. Not the case. Some of these road bikes have a, a, a cost, a, a retail price of, you know, 30 and 40,000 quid. And they've had a lot more money spent on them. Uh, some will be quicker than others. And what, what tends to happen on the road bikes is when a new model comes out, it's better than everything else. And then two years later, it's the worst of the pack. Yeah. So to stop that happening, you need, even if you're running super stock rules or absolutely standard rules, one bike would dominate. Yeah. So you'd still need balancing mechanisms in place. Do you think people are looking at it in some ways, because it's so easy, isn't it, to react on what we've seen over recent years? Because if you think back through racing, it hasn't always been as close as MotoGP is now. You know, you have had completely dominated areas in the past in MotoGP and in other car series, yeah. bike series, maybe not so much in World Superbike, which is why it's getting the stick it's getting now. Although, the racing this weekend, yes, I know it was for second, but it was absolutely unbelievable. And I'm going to put it out there that I imagine MotoGP could be the same this coming weekend when Marquez runs away in Texas, as he normally yeah. does. Yeah, because he normally does that. You did right. Uh, in other eras, uh, single riders have dominated. I remember Mick Doohan. Yeah. You know, he dominated, so... Agostini. Uh, yeah. He was winning uh, races by two, three laps. Exactly. So, you know, he... he, he <laughs> and nobody ever at that time said, right, something's got to be done. Yeah. You know, he, or, or did they? I don't know. No. I don't I, think they did. did I they? can't remember it in the same way. I can't remember people losing faith in a championship just because somebody dominated. You know, it's... Um, you've got to look at the racing. If the racing's good... and I, it, it's better if the good racing is at the front. But if you've got a big dice for second, we've seen some cracking racing there today. Yeah, yeah. I think the main issue is, um, I guess, World Superlight, when it was so popular in the 90s, the Carl Fogarty era, you were racing around that time as well. That was at a time, we've talked about this before loads of times, haven't we? Doohan was dominating in MotoGP, so that was a bit flat. World Superbikes, the difference of World Superbikes was, yes, it's not the premier prototype class, but the racing's so good. Now the racing is very, very good in MotoGP, so it's sort of taken that USP away from World Superbikes, hasn't it? Yeah, that's exactly, dead right. You're absolutely right there. Which is why, I don't know, you know, what could they say to improve that? Does it need to be different? Does it need to be more different to MotoGP? You've got to be careful you don't uh, have a knee-jerk reaction rule change f just for uh, each individual kind of win in a championship. You know, you'd be altering the thing every two minutes. Uh, three races in a weekend, I think, possibly one too many. I think a two-race weekend is all right. Um, 
I think getting rid of the stock thou class for whatever reason was a mistake. They still sell more 1,000cc road bikes than they sell 600cc road bikes, mm. albeit they sell less sports bikes than they ever did mm. uh, of all capacities. Um, so, yeah, I think you've got to be careful. You don't try and fix something that isn't broken just because somebody's having a good time at that point. So do you think Dorna maybe kept the Super Sport class and not the stock thousands because they're sort of looking at it and thinking, oh, well, the race is really good there. They were getting a bit boring in stock thousand. We'll get rid of that one. I don't know what their rationale was, but um, they certainly need a class in between uh, the Super Sport 300 class and the Superbike class. So at the minute, that is Super Sport. Um, I don't know the Super Sport can be sustained as a class because none of the manufacturers, except for Yamaha and MV, mm. actually make a current model. They're all old bikes. The CBR 600, the venerable CBR 600, is, uh, I think, about nine or ten years old as a model now. I meant to ask you this weekend. I've forgotten until now. You know that new Aprilia that's coming out? Could that compete, in theory, in Super Sport next year, that new Aprilia thing? can't remember the model name now, but it's a sort of mid-range, super sporty Aprilia. Yeah, if it's... Uh, how many cylinders has it got? Good question. Right, so if it, it's got... If it's got two cylinders, it's allowed to be... If it's, a, if it's a twin, it's allowed to be more cc's. I think you've got a limit of 750. If it's a four, it's got to be 600. If it's a three, it's allowed to be 675. So if it fits in with that criteria and they've built enough, yeah, I guess. I have to check that. Well, that would be good if they could. I just saw it the other day online, actually. I meant to ask you about it, but I forgot. Um, other talking points then this weekend. We've spoken about Leon Haslam, Jonathan Ray, Ducati. We've talked about Chas Davis. Uh, sorry, Batista, but not really about Chas Davis. He had to get back this weekend to some sort of respectable form, and I'm pleased to say he has. Yeah, Chas Davis had a good weekend at um, Aragon. Loves the place anyway. Um, if he was going to get his, his mojo back, he was probably going to be here. He's had, I think... I think that's seven or eight wins around here. Seven, yeah. Seven wins. Um, he actually looked like he was enjoying himself. The bike looked like it was working a little bit better for him, a little bit better on the front end. It looked like he could ride it with a little bit of a plum and, and not uh, kind of suffer anywhere. Um, yeah, it was as good as everybody else except for Bautista. Yeah, he certainly was. Rusty tweets in, I think Chaz is a great talent and he's definitely catching up to Alvaro Bautista, but the comparison says a lot about Bautista's ability in the saddle. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would. Yeah. Uh, I think uh, they've got the same bike or the the same access to have the same bike, uh, same access to parts and technology, etc. But at the minute, Bautista's riding really well and he's riding the bike in a slightly different way and I think he's using the bike's advantages better than Chaz. BMW, I think, have had a really good weekend. Tom Sykes has been right up there. I don't know what happened in the last race, James, if the tyre went off or something. Was it bad tyre again? Yeah, that's a shame. When I say again, bad tyre for the first time for Sykes. But he was up there fifth in the first two races. That bike is awesome, isn't it, in the twisty stuff? It was only on that back straight they were losing out. Yeah, Tom was consistently quicker uh, around the twisty stuff, especially uh, Sector 3 which is the one just before Sector 4, which is a long straight and then the last corner. Um, yeah, Tom's happy. He says the bike's brilliant, does what he wants. It looks like it does as well. Um, it just needs more power, and they are working. There's a team of German engineers working on that as we speak, Greg. Johnny Menner has tweeted in here, James, and I'm going to retweet this one. How good was that Supersport race? This is five to go. 
three to go and the last lap and he sent us some screenshots from the Eurosport broadcast today. I mean, that was fantastic, wasn't it? At that point, you've got Gradinger, Caracasulo, Krumanaka, the eventual winner, and De Rosa. It was classic Supersport and it built up nicely over the course of the race to an amazing finish. Cracking race. Um, one of the reasons is that this place has a couple of long straights, one particularly, which means that slipstreaming tra- uh, tends to hold everybody together in a pack, or however size that is, uh, it ended up being four or five and then four riders. Nobody seemed to be able to get away from each other. If you make a small gain around the twisty bit, it, the, your rivals tend to be able to suck you back in on the long straight. So, um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant race. Uh, I thought Caracasulo were going to take the win because he's quite aggressive and he hadn't had a win already this season, and I know that's knocking him. Uh, but Krumanaka rode a brilliant race. He was, I think he probably had the outright one lap pace, but that doesn't mean in a situation like that you're guaranteed to win. Uh, you can easily end up fourth in that situation. Um, and he rode a really good race. And he had to be just aggressive enough without being too aggressive and making mistakes and rushing in. Uh, so, yeah, that's off to Krumanaka. Yeah, absolutely fantastic stuff again in World Supersport. Then again, though, that, uh, that first Superbike race of the weekend... That scrap we saw for a second. I mean, that's some of the best racing we've seen for ages in the class. I know it wasn't for the win, which is a shame, and people are going to keep reminding us of that. But that was absolutely hell for leather, gloves off, go for it racing, different riders, different bikes. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and when you spoke to them all afterwards, they all said exactly the same, that they really enjoyed it. It was a great battle. Um, you know, Lowe's, even though he, he, he didn't end up at the, the, the in the sort of position he thought uh, he should be, had a, uh, even he said he really, really enjoyed it. Well, just a quick one for us this week because, of course, we're off to Aston anyway. Everyone's leaving Aragon. They've got flights to uh, to get and everything else. Uh, <laughs> I think we should end with this question on Twitter from Steve Nicholson. This is to us. I don't know. What, oh, it's just been sent, actually. Is Charlie Hiscott as much of a inverted commas, character as he seems on camera? Yeah, yeah. Charlie is. Charlie's a... Charles is a man who, who loves his bikes, ex-bike racer, had just packing racing through injury. He understands bikes and he understands politics and he understands the politics of bikes probably better than understands bikes now. He's a brilliant man to have in the pits because he is not afraid to ask the questions that you would ask yourself. And understands television so well as well. There's not many people who understand bikes and television. A lot of people who understand television, a lot of people who understand bikes, but he gets both of them. And it does come across on the broadcast, doesn't it? And his two accidents he had, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind us talking about these. Uh, one of them was at Cadwell Park, wasn't it, James? Yeah. And the other one on the road, um, Henley Hill, Henley uh, by the River Thames there. And uh, that was 2006. And incidentally, actually, it's quite nice we've received that tweet. So thank you because. Charlie, for the first time since his accident on the road in 2006, rode a bike this weekend, didn't he? Uh, uh, some electric thing, I think. That's on Sykes Zones. Yeah, electric uh, BMW uh, kind of commuter bike. Said he really enjoyed it. He's actually ridden a trials bike a little bit around his place as well. So, yeah, we all love Charlie. Uh, um, he, he tends to grumpiness at times, at Charlie, but, <laughs> but he's a great lad to have on the team. Yeah, he says it like it is. James, I didn't have a chance in the commentary today because you were down with Matt Roberts in the paddock, but our final question would have to be, what is your moment of the weekend? I'm going to throw mine out there, if you don't mind, first of all. My moment of the weekend is just the sheer scrap we had 
in the first Superbike race on Saturday. I think Supersport was absolutely superb as well, but I think for the good of the championship, we needed a race like that on Saturday, so I'm gonna go for that. Uh, yep, um, let's have a look. Moment of the weekend for me, probably I'm gonna pick from Supersport. I think it would be um, Kumanaka going really wide at the last turn, but still keeping it all together, keeping the kind of uh, momentum going and still going to get into the lead starting the last lap. Thanks very much, James. And I think our quote of the weekend has to be the hot dog quote, doesn't it, from Tom Sykes with that cheeky look to the camera, enjoy the racing. I think we should play that into the end of the podcast, actually. So from James, from Charlie, from Matt, from me, from everyone here in Aragon, James, thanks a lot. See you in Aston, by the way. Cheers, Greg. Cheers to you too. See you there. And uh, we will be back, of course, with the podcast next Wednesday. It's iTunes, Spotify, and the Eurosport website. So we'll speak to you from Holland for live free practice on Friday. Well, he's definitely living up to his name as Grinner. Tom, that was incredible. That well done. Just first of all, just tell us what happened. And you made a mistake in the last sector. A mistake. Understatement of the day from you there, Charlie. I can't believe it. I was, uh, I don't know, I went for a hot dog. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I went that far out there, so I can't believe it. I was eight temps up going on to the back straight on my personal best, which was would have already put me in the 48s. And then the last corner with the Q-Tie would have even been even faster, so I, ifs and buts. I just have to thank all of the BMW Motorrad World Superbike team. The chassis is, is there, you know. We're, I can't believe how much of a pleasure it is to ride, you know, this 1,000RR during the infield, so um, we'll see. I'm looking forward to the race. We have uh, we have a good setup. We're clearly giving away a lot in the last sector, but um, yeah, if this sun stays stays in, you know, doesn't come out to play, tie choice is going to be gambling. It might just play into our hands. So we'll see. We'll make the best race we can possible. But to be on the front row after that detour, I, just, I sat down in the garage and I thought I came and I said sorry, boys. Sat down and I went, yeah, it's a bit of a disappointment, but. You're taking the mick, to be honest. Where is everyone? Oh, you're on the front row. I can't believe it. So we'll have a go this afternoon. Enjoy the racing. Cheers. Great to see you back, Tom. Well done. Cheers. Thank you.